BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey folks, it's Matt Zachary and welcome to Vax On, a weekly segment of my podcast out of patience right here on the Offscript Network. Hey, I'm Alura Nanos. I'm a lawyer, a journalist, a mom of a teenage narcoleptic, and a professional big mouth. Lou and I go back 30 years as best friends, and we're here to have fun and bring you a layperson's guide to what the hell just happened this week in healthcare as America gets its vax on and shows COVID the door. We're here together to learn, complain, and include you in the conversation. So join us on Twitter at VaxOnPod and share your stories and grievances using the hashtag VaxOn. All right, Matt, let's get at it. Hello, Allura. We're back. Hey, Matt. Nice to be back. VaxOn time. VaxOn time. What's happening in your world? I feel like every day my kids keep coming home with like nine more COVID tests that the city are giving the kids. And we have this... I think I mentioned this like Scrooge McDuck style bank vault of COVID tests that we could probably swim in. Wait, is your school district giving the kids the COVID tests? They're not giving them the tests at the school. They're handing them the home tests to bring home to test them at home. Really? Yes. Oh, right. Because your school district is like supposed to be testing the kids all the time, right? Right. But instead, they come home with like nine more home kits to test. And this we have like a full drawer, like all the pots and pans are now somewhere else because this <laughs> because drawer is filled with these like Rite Aid COVID tests. Honey, hand me that whisk. I'm making pancakes. Can you use this COVID test? <laughs> I mean, I just don't understand. I, I, they, they don't expire either. The, the expiration is like nine months from now. So like we're not going to fall to that. The other story we talked about the other week, like, oh, 60 million COVID tests expired. Well, can we at least give them to somebody? I feel like that's so weird that they're just giving them to take home. See, my district isn't testing kids or giving kids tests or anything like that. It's like not even a thing. Like, You, if you want, want some to mine? I got a yeah, whole drawer I mean, full I, of them. Well, as you know, I have 200 COVID tests sitting here from one That's right. <laughs> my last orchestra event. So it's like we're swimming in COVID tests. Um, <laughs> that's sort of funny. Yeah. So um, that, you know that, they... that, that's my news. Yeah. Okay. That's news. Um, I, I'm, I'm picturing your kids coming home like as they clean out their desks because it's June. <laughs> it's like pencil case, erasers that we didn't use, more COVID tests. It's like, where'd that new backpack come from? Oh, it's just filled with COVID tests. Hilarious. Um, no, we're doing really well. I'm so thrilled because, you know, as, as COVID has progressed from being afraid that we're going to die from it, like the way I was in the very beginning, um, now it's just like being terrified that it's going to majorly derail my plans. And my son had his senior prom and I literally made him stay in a total bubble the week before because I was so afraid he was going to get COVID and miss it. Um, but it's over. He didn't miss it. He didn't get COVID. Everything's great. So um, I'm just happy. We're like living event to event, you know, just to make sure that we don't miss anything. Poor Franklin. Poor Franklin. I know. I know. But it's good. He didn't miss anything and all is well. So what research did you uncover for this show to talk about today? Well, let me preface it, Matt. I feel that you need a warning. Okay. Today's show is making me insanely happy. 
not because the stories are necessarily all happy, but because there could never be more Allura-esque stories than this show. So you're in your element. I am so in my element. And you know what? To show you that, our first story is about Florida fuckery. I feel like we started the whole show like a year and a half ago all about Florida. So we're coming full circle. It is totally full circle. I feel like we're right back where we started with Florida just fucking things up. Now, do you remember at a time when we were discussing the lockdowns and a major piece of public debate was that California had really strict lockdown procedures and Florida had none and the COVID rates were basically the same between the two states. Remember that? Yes. Yes, I do. And it was it was really hard to to deal with it. I, I know I had a really hard time with it because I was like, what am I supposed to do with that if one state's really strict and one state's really open and everybody's got the same amount of COVID? Like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with that? It was so frustrating. I sense a butt coming. Oh, there's a butt coming. <laughs> so Florida's statistics looks like they were all wrong. So that explains why the COVID rates were the same, because Florida's were just not correct at all. So let me guess, more people actually died in Florida because of the no lockdown. It looks like a lot more people had COVID than we thought had COVID in Florida. So state auditors in Florida reviewed a sample of 2,600 tests taken at three state-run testing facilities, and they found that the labs that the state had contracted failed to return results for nearly 60% of the tests. Oops. Like, are you fucking kidding me? 60% of the tests, the lab took the samples but didn't send out the results? Oops. This is like a total Seinfeld moment. Like, you know how to take the tests, but you don't know how to give the tests. Wow. That is Florida. 60%? Like, what the fuck? And they had a government contract. There was no way of knowing whether that 60% were positive or negative or anything. Like, just nobody knows. 60% just went into the hose zone. That was a sniglet right in there. The hose zone? The hose zone is the place that you lose your socks. Oh, (laughs) yes. 60% of the test, just like nobody knows what the hell happened. And there's more fuckery. Once the cases in Florida were identified, what was supposed to happen is that health officials were supposed to contact everyone that was positive for COVID. Um, like within two days, and get them to do contract tracing, right? Because that was like a big deal. And also that would be very important to know if everyone who got COVID spread COVID to the people around them. And the auditors found that the state of Florida never spoke with 23% of the people who were infected. So a quarter of the people who were positive for COVID weren't contacted, didn't do contact tracing. Nobody knows what the hell happened to them. They were just out there like, you know, living their lives and doing God knows what. I mean, this is crazy. Thank you, Florida. I'm like, the thing is, it puts the whole Florida versus California thing in an entirely different light, in my opinion. Weren't there other states besides Florida that like pretended there was no COVID that we could look at? There absolutely were. There absolutely were. And, And to be honest, Matt, I'm not sure why the comparison became Florida versus California and it wasn't like Texas versus New York. Like, I'm not really sure why we always focused on Florida versus California. Um, that When I say we, I mean everybody, because that's always what I heard about this. But, you know, the the story and the narrative always was, oh, my gosh, we have these wildly disparate ways of handling COVID. And it turns out it, none of it matters because the numbers are all the same. 
So now it says that the uh, Department of Health in Florida is going to investigate these discrepancies. And I guess we'll hear back from them in 30 years. I mean, perhaps they should get an independent auditor to come to it, like somebody that's not affiliated with Florida and has never been there before. We should probably get Ben Stein of Ben Stein's money and Ferris Bueller to be the independent auditor for all this. I would be totally behind that. Or alternatively, if Ben Stein is not available, I would like somebody who's going to like freak out, like somebody who will find the discrepancy and just lose their mind and start screaming. Like we don't have Gilbert Gottfried anymore, but somebody like that who would just like come in and start screaming about you. I'm in favor of like Lisa Lampanelli. Yes, yes. Or um, Gordon Ramsay. Yes. Like, I would like yep. him to come in and be like, <laughs> shut it all down. Like, Florida confidential. Like, yes. Because like, are you kidding me? Like we're in the middle of a pandemic. The the labs and the government agencies and everybody has got like protocols they're supposed to follow. And they're just like completely half-assing it. They're not even half-assing it. They're 40% assing it. But I mean, clearly we're biased. We want the outcome of this to say that more Floridians died because they didn't lock down versus more Californians that lived because they did lock down. That's what we want. Right. We want we want to know that measures that we took to protect ourselves actually accomplished something. Right. You know, we absolutely do. And I'll tell you that as we went through the pandemic, every time I heard someone say, oh, but there's the Florida versus California thing, it gave me very serious pause. Like it really affected my understanding of what should be done with mandates because there's no way to get around that. If if you have two samples and one of them got locked down and the other one just went about its normal business and the infection rates are the same, like how the hell do you explain that? The only logical conclusion is that the lockdowns, I guess, didn't really work. But if you throw in that one of the samples just completely didn't give correct data, then fuck that conclusion altogether. The uh, the Convention and Visitors Bureau of Florida should change their uh, their marketing to Florida, the Theranos of COVID data. <laughs> I like that. So, I, I mean, I just, I, you know, I, I don't love that story, but I love that story. You know, you, you know what you I mean? You want to love it. You want to hate it. You want it to be all the right things for the right people. We're, we, again, we keep saying we're anti-death. We would like people to live. And uh, thank you, Florida. Florida, get your shit together. Seriously. This is a get your shit together situation. If you're going to fucking take some statistics down, get it straight. Otherwise, keep your mouth shut. Okay. That goes not just for Florida. That's for everybody. (laughs) Writ large, Elora has spoken. (laughs) God. Okay. Moving Um, on. Moving on. So our second story is, I think, a really interesting story. And the reason why I will tell you that I have really specific interest in this is you know, you've heard of long COVID, right? Oh, for and sure. I just did a panel on it last month in D.C. Oh, you did? Yes. I didn't even know that. What Are you an expert about long COVID? No, but I'm a patient advocate in terms of cancer patients that had COVID and uh-huh. the unknown unknowns, to, not to quote Rumsfeld too much, but the side effects of COVID in, in thousands and tens of thousands are, are so unknown. And yeah, these yeah. discrepancies and disparities and, and almost like these these mysterious illnesses are popping up months later resulting and there's no longitudinal data because there's no longitude yet. Yeah. And look at you out there just advocating without even telling me all the things you're advocating. for. You're welcome, America. Uh, <laughs> no, this and I think this is so important, not just for people suffering from some underlying other illness, but for all of us. So, you know, we've all heard of people who have contracted long COVID and who still have adverse effects of COVID long after they've recovered from the acute phase of the illness. And 
um, you know, I read an article that said this is the, this has potential to really be a new disability that affects millions of workers. And I have a tendency to think about COVID and long COVID and all these symptoms in a sort of individual anecdotal way. You know, who do I know that has it and what are their results? But thinking about it in more of a mass way, um, you know, there is a very good chance that certain people that have long COVID will qualify for protection under the Americans with Disabilities Act and therefore can request accommodations in the workplace, um, in schools and all, all kinds of things. And um, I mean, it really has potential to change to change the landscape in a major way when it comes to employment. So I did this panel for a group called Academy Health in D.C. They are a group of researchers, biologists, policymakers, legislators, and data scientists that are really looking at what they call population science. And with millions of Americans having these seemingly undiagnosed and what they're calling now the new invisible illness, as a late effect of having COVID, they're trying to make these correlations to whether it falls under a disability, to your point of employment, or whether it falls under like the Rare Diseases Act, or how it falls into time off and benefits. And are these just, because you're not just sick and going to get better, you have, you can't smell anymore, or you have pain, or you have headaches. And the human genome is resultant of this. Like COVID-19 had probably the most unknown impact on the long game of human genome. And, and it's puzzling everyone because we just don't know what we're looking at. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. And I think that, look, it's important to remember that there's a difference between the legal definition of a disability and the medical definition of a disability. So for a legal disability, we don't care if it's a rare disease or if it's just an effect of something else or if it's a developmental disability. It doesn't really matter because the bottom line is if you have a major impairment, either physical or mental, and it limits your life activities, then you're disabled under the ADA and then you're entitled to accommodations, um, you know, government accommodations or employment accommodations. So it's sort of, you know, that umbrella is pretty broad. Um, and, and it means that you could be a person with long COVID that doesn't have really severe effects, so therefore you don't qualify as, as disabled, or that you have very severe long COVID effects and you do qualify. And a lot of it depends on, you know, just what you're doing and how it's impacting you. Um, and the medical community is sort of looking at it differently to really try to characterize what does this become and is it, should it be considered a disease or should it be considered, I guess, just an impact or, or something like that. Um, but I wonder, I don't want to say the good effect, but but there was kind of a silver lining in some way about the pandemic in that because we were all in it together and all of us were dealing with things like lockdowns and, you know, containing the contagion together, you saw businesses immediately make that shift to remote work. And, and, and I think that is a good thing. And I think that we've seen positive effects of that continuing. Do you think that we're going to see long COVID becomes something that employers kind of across the spectrum recognize as something requiring accommodation for workers. <laughs> Not if Elon Musk has anything to say about it. Oh, Elon. He's mandating all of his employees return to work in the factories and the offices. No questions asked. Great. I'd like to give a shout out to two specific advocacy groups that came out of the long COVID universe. One is called the Long COVID Alliance at longcovidalliance.org. And one is called Survivor Corps, which is Survivor, C-O-R-P-S, survivorcore.com. 
They are the two loudest communities advocating for exactly what we're talking about here, which are accommodations and better research and the beginnings and onsets of longitudinal studies to build data systems and data platforms to understand the impact this is going to have, not just on everyday humans and their health, but society at large, to your point of employment. And those type of groups are so important. And and I will say the reason why I was so interested in this story is, although I'm lucky that I don't seem to have long COVID, at least not now, um, it is an invisible disability. And I am so aware of invisible disabilities because my son has one. And um, people who have invisible disabilities in this world, and there are many of them, um, are often really on sort of the front lines of having to wage these wars to get what they need. Because of course, if you see a person in a wheelchair, if you see a person on crutches that have an obvious physical disability, most employers and and most people in general are just like kind of willing to give that person what they need. But as soon as it becomes something that is not immediately perceivable um, visually, then it's like people think you're bullshitting and People think you should just suck it up and you're making a big deal about it. And um, I think it's just important that we realize that, you know, that's not always the case. And, you know, you've said it before, Matt. You've said like some, you know, people people don't care about shit until it's happening to them. People don't know that the sky is falling until the, it's falling on their own heads. And I think that's really true. But And because COVID has affected so many of us, now people might be willing to say, oh, shit, like if you have a long-term effect of an illness, perhaps we should change the workday or make some other accommodation you might need. And that could be a long-term positive effect of this pandemic. That's my little optimism creeping on in there. And we'll be right back with that optimism. <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. 
The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. So, Lou, I'm going to break into your third segment with a quick observation I learned this week. That Observe away. Novavax. Remember that name from, like, I think the summer of 2020? Novavax? Yeah, that's the name of a drug company? Yeah, they were competing to bring a, a vaccine to market. Uh, along oh, with AstraZeneca, right. Right, and right, everything right. failed miserably, and I think they went back to their cave. And what happened was they're now going to market. The FDA just approved a Novavax vaccine. One might ask, do we need more? What's the difference? Why is this happening? And it turns out this vaccine, like Passover, is different. <laughs> like Passover? Why do we relax on this night, and on all of the nights we don't relax? That's Passover. Why uh, is this vaccine different than all of the vaccines? Um, because okay, this vaccine is not an mRNA vaccine. It is a regular, normal, flu-like vaccine. And oh. the theory is that there will be less hesitancy to think that Bill Gates is planting a chip in your arm and that it's mutating your DNA by just getting a regular, normal flu shot in the form of a COVID-19 vaccine. Ah, right, because all those people thought that the mRNA vaccines was like altering your DNA. So now it's like, well, fine, have this one. It's not doing anything to your DNA. Right. So there's there's a whole public relations campaign now in communities where there's been hesitancy that they could just throw that debunkery out of the window because it no longer applies to why you might be resistant to getting vaccinated. Is it is the Novavax vaccine as effective as the mRNA ones? That is data I don't have, but I would imagine they would not have approved it if it wasn't just as good, if not better. Interesting. Well, I mean, I would certainly love to see that if, you know, we have this new vaccine and then all the people who were refusing to get vaccinated because of whatever bullshit conspiracy theory they came up with. And now they're like, oh, but this one's different. Like, fine. OK, fine. It's different. Go ahead. Just take it. Who cares? Just whatever's going to make you not spread COVID. Great. Like they can call it like the Donald Trump whatever vaccine if that no, i mean seriously like if that makes people stay healthy great i'm all for it and there's me being totally apolitical right completely apolitical like i am ruthless about making people be healthy i don't care what kind of nonsense you have to tell them to get it to happen it's, as long as everyone stays healthy it's the anti-january 6th committee vaccine yeah <laughs> Call it. Let's go, Brandon. Vaccine. The let's go, Brandon. <laughs> exactly. I don't care. Like if that if that is the sugar that makes the medicine go down, great. Okay. So speaking of vaccines and the aforementioned at the top of the show, Civ Scrooge McDuck Vault of COVID tests I have in my house. We're going to talk about Target and its unwanted inventory. And that's why I love this segment. Do you see why I love this show? Because I love shopping, and I even went to Target today. <laughs> I love Target. Is it true that you can't spend less than $25,000 in Target at any given time? I think time? it might be. I, you know, it might be, but I don't care. I love that store. I really do. It is a pleasure to shop in it. It's always clean. It's well lit. It's really nicely organized. They literally have everything I need. Um, 
So like, yeah, you can't, you have to spend like at least $300 every time you go, but you'll end up with some good stuff. All right. Target, not a sponsor, but Target, no, I, maybe be a sponsor. That would be nice. Do you know what I bought there today? Uncrustables. Oh, a supply chain is back in your favor. Yes, but I also went to buy an electric razor and they were completely out of them. So that was like hit with the supply chain demon. I don't know why those particular products. So, okay. Um, but but here's what's happening. There's some like interesting data about what's going on. On May 18th, Target shares fell 25%, making it its worst day on Wall Street in 35 years. Also, Target was around 35 years ago? I don't know. That's what it says. I don't know. I don't understand. But this is like, it's pretty bad. And and one of the problems, it seems, is that there is 15 billion billion with a b dollars worth of inventory on hand and that is like way too much you know they're supposed to stock the shelves and get that shit out what it seems like what's happening not just to target but to lots of uh retailers that you know how they stocked the shelves with like sweatpants and all the stuff we needed for the pandemic no one wants it anymore wait so what's up for grabs now are they having like a flea sale on the lawn in front of my parents house they're gonna, it sounds like they have a lot of extra inventory for stuff that they bought during the pandemic. So that's going to include, um, you know, all that, the zillions of gallons of hand sanitizer, um, and all of the tons of Lysol and all of the sweatpants and all of that stuff. And what people, it seems like they really want now is, you know, they want suitcases and bathing suits and clothes to go out, like fancier clothes to go out in because people are returning to having parties and going on vacations and stuff like that. So it makes sense to me. But, you know, remember we were having all of those supply chain issues where we didn't have anything on the shelves. Now we have too much of it. Um, now, let me just ask you this though. So, I mean, I get it and I, and I feel badly for all these companies and hopefully they'll all bounce back from it. If you had put me in charge of Target, I could have told you like, Calm down with the sweatpants. Like, this is not going to last forever. People are going to want real clothes soon. So who the hell was in charge of ordering all this shit? Um, I'm going to go with Pete. <laughs> like, I don't understand. It's like, Pete's it was fault. very, like, the I remember in the beginning of the pandemic saying, oh, my gosh, lipstick. No one's going to buy lipstick. Lipstick sales are going to tank. But fake eyelash sales are going to skyrocket because everyone was wearing masks. <laughs> And like now I imagine lipstick sales are probably soaring because people can finally see each other's mouths again. Right. And like, at, you know, also like, you know, Banaka is probably. Banaka. <laughs> Does Banaka exist anymore or is it with the Tic Tacs? I have no idea. But all I know is the Ace Ventura's Banaka bit in uh, the movies <laughs> is it, it, it lives on forever. Oh, my God. Ace Ventura. Wait. So it. Target doesn't really need like a Black Friday. They need like a Red Friday, a Red, White and Blue Friday on July 4th. To get rid of all this crap in their stores. I mean, I guess so. But also it's not, you know, it's not just Target. Target was really hit hard, but it sounds like Walmart, Gap, and like all these other stores are having lots of other, you know, lots of similar effects. Oh, and by the way, let's let's not forget to factor in, inflation is so high right now that certain things that people would normally have bought, they're not buying certain luxury items, electronics and stuff. People are, you know, they have to cut their costs someplace. So, you know, things like discretionary and uh, what is it called? And impulse purchases, you know, people are not making them as much. And that really can can hurt these uh, these stores. I see here Ab Abercrombie and Fitch and American Eagle both reported 
uh, a lot of extra inventory, up 45% from last year of extra inventory. By the way, total sidebar. Did you watch the Netflix documentary on Abercrombie and Fitch? No, but now I need to. You need to. It's like just one episode, but it's like this very weird, nostalgic 90s walk through absolute fuckery in the Abercrombie and Fitch world. Oh, really? And I could not stop watching it because it, it, you should watch it. It's it's amazing because you watch and you're like, oh, my God, I never noticed those things. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, very interesting. Anyway. All right. So end um, of Netflix plug. End of Netflix plug. But, but yeah, I mean, so we're seeing this across the board. And I know that I'm even seeing it just like in my own shopping, you know, whatever, all that stuff that was supposedly on a barge um, sitting in the harbor someplace, you know, now it's in TJ Maxx. And, you know, there's there's too much of the sweatpants. There's too much of the blankets and the, all the shit that you need to sit around. And now people really are looking for bathing suits and fancy stuff and things that they would wear to go out and gifts to give people and things to redecorate their homes. And and there seems to be a lot of that on the shelves. And there's no idea whether they're going to sell them or get rid of them or dump them or do a fire sale or just cut their losses. I mean, I'm sure what they'll do is they'll discount it because I think that these stores, you know, they have trajectories for their inventory that that they expect it to be in and out within a certain amount of time. And it probably differs by department. But like, for example, clothing, like you expect it's going to be pretty much sold out, you know, about six weeks after it hits the shelves, because then the next cycle of stuff comes in. And I guess you're going to see a lot of students in September who don't have backpacks, but have sweatpants. Right, right. Like you might or definitely like people that don't have, a, you know, suits and ties for whatever their formal is. Um, but they're just walking around in sweatpants. And by the way, this is not to knock sweatpants because if we could just make a rule that everyone can wear sweatpants all the time, I would be totally behind it. So like our Zoom outfits are going to be going to work in our Zoom outfits. Yes, exactly. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. It's just like it would be nice if the people in the HR department who set dress codes could confer with the folks at Target and you know, all the clothing stores to make sure that whatever we're supposed to wear is actually the stuff that's on the shelves. I, oh my God, but, this is like a great idea for a Halloween costume. Zoom outfit, home office worker. Oh, I love that. Where you're wearing like underwear on the bottom and a shirt and tie <laughs> yes, on top. exactly. It'll be like risky business. <laughs> yes, just like risky business. <laughs> and there I am, bringing it home with the 80s movies. I expect nothing less. Yeah, but wasn't this a, weren't these great topics today? I feel like they were all very, like Alora-esque topics. We had shopping, we had Florida fuckery, um, we had invisible disabilities. These are all things I care deeply about. And I, I'd like to report back to our listeners next week on the updates on how the Novavax vaccine might actually, if we're going to be positive for a second, be trickling out like less conspiratorially into the world. I can't wait to see this. I, are you going to report back to us and let us know if it's working and like, what the stats are on Novavax, because I would really like to follow this. Well, I'm having dinner with Trevor Noah tonight, so I'll get back to you. Are you? No, no. I'm not. <laughs> I just got really excited for it. <laughs> Immediately, I was like, is he going to do the accents? That's so funny. Yeah. One day I'll say that, and it'll be true, but not tonight. Oh, too bad. Trevor, we love you. We do love you. <laughs> we need more Trevor in our lives. We do. We do. Uh, well, thanks, Matt. This has been a very uplifting afternoon. Fabulous. I like when you lead with I'm happy, although I yeah, kind of enjoy when you lead with I'm pissed. I got to balance yeah. that out. <laughs> well, listen, to be fair, I was happy because I got to shit on Florida. So. Oh, there you go. 
<laughs> and all is well in the land of Oz. Exactly. Well, have a wonderful week, and I will be very excited to vax on with you right here next week. Thank you, Alora, and thank you, everyone, for chiming in this week. We'll see you back next time. Bye now. That's all for now. If you like Vaxon, be sure to subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Tell us your shit show of a healthcare story by leaving a message for us at 855-AUDIO-66, and we might just use it in a future show. Vaxon is a product of Offscript Health. We are a healthcare engagement company built for patients and caregivers by patients and caregivers. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. Our senior producer is Brianna Seely. Our hosts are Matthew Zachary and Alora Nanos. It is recorded, mixed, and edited by Brianna Seely. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscriptnot.com. That's media at offscript.com. For more information, visit offscript.com. 